Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, our purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for his sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome to Lose Yourself. I'm Dr. Mike Cunningham, and I'm so glad you could join me for today's program. Well, last week we kicked off the Lenten season, and I did a quick devotion on what that means. Some denominations celebrate Lent, and others do not. For some, they find it meaningful, and others, they think it too ritualistic. Having said all that, the 40 days preceding Resurrection Sunday can be an incredibly meaningful time for us to focus on our faith, the sacrifice that Christ gave us on the cross, and this can be a poignant time but it is not to be something that is ritualistic. It's not something that we'd use to earn our salvation. This is something that is an expression of our gratitude for the grace we've received through Christ's sinless life, death, burial, and resurrection. And during this season of 40 days leading up to Resurrection Sunday, this is a time for us to reflect. Because many times we're guilty of just taking in one day, appreciating the gravity of the gospel message. And so this is an encouragement for us as we continue in this discipleship path to take this time and use this opportunity. And so in these coming weeks, Lose Yourself, which is a call to discipleship, will be walking to the cross through Isaiah and the gospels. And so today we will be in the book of Isaiah, and then the following weeks, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as each of these accounts prepares our heart for the Lenten season or the Easter season, all culminating in Resurrection Sunday and Holy Week or Passion Week, depending on your tradition, for a program that is calling us to discipleship. I don't think there's anything more fitting than this journey to Resurrection Sunday through the scripture, through devotion and gratitude, and having God call us to maybe a deeper faith and a deeper relationship with him. So today we're going to start with Isaiah 1, 16 through 20. This is a time that we are to reflect on God's call to his people to repent and turn away from wickedness. During this time, we need to examine ourselves and seek God's forgiveness and guidance. But also, as we read this passage, we consider the Old Testament covenant and how that differs from the grace we receive today. Isaiah 1, 16 through 20 states, Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Friends, this is a look at sin. Our sins are like scarlet, red as crimson. Those stains represent the effects and consequences of sin. Friend, God doesn't want us to live in sin. He wants to forgive us. He wants to cleanse us, and he wants to call us to a life of obedience. Our next preparatory passage is Isaiah 6. This passage contemplates Isaiah's encounter with God's holiness and his response of surrender. It calls us to enter into our relationship with God with that same awe and wonder 
In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seating on a throne, and a train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. Friend, there is not a more iconic passage in the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, that talks about the holiness of God. As human beings, when we encounter that level of holiness, it does strike us with awe. It shows us the frailty of our existence and the unworthiness of our condition and our need for grace. And friend, as we're moving into the Lenten season, that's part of this process. As in the book of Isaiah, sometimes we need to be convinced that we need forgiveness, that we need grace, that we need God. And in this Isaiah account, we find the inadequacy of our existence, our need for a Savior, and that then helps us appreciate the gift of grace that we receive in the Easter season. Our next passage is Isaiah 9, 2-7, which ponders the prophecy of the coming Messiah, the Prince of Peace. As I read this, reflect on the hope and joy that Jesus brings, even in times of darkness. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of the oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment clothed in blood will be destined for burning, will be the fuel for the fire. Verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his governance and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. In this, we see the coming of the Prince of Peace. And that's really what we're doing this season is we're anticipating that Prince of Peace. This passage is read much at Christmas time, but it is still very important at Easter. That baby born in the season of Advent, will then also lived as and continues to be our Prince of Peace. Isaiah 53, 1-12, ponders the prophetic description of Christ's suffering and sacrifice. 
And this is an appropriate passage to reflect on the depth of God's love displayed through Christ's death on the cross. We need to meditate on the significance of the cross and express our gratitude for Christ's redemptive work. Isaiah 53, picking up verse 1. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an outpouring for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life And be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Isaiah 53 stands as an Old Testament prophetic foretelling of Christ's life, fulfillment of prophecy, and sacrifice for our sins. The fact that the details are so specific gives greater emphasis and meaning to the events that unfold this season, ranging from the fact that Christ came in human form, ordinary, shunned, afflicted, and finally crucified on our behalf. When you consider the prophetic aspects of this passage, it adds more gravitas to what we study every Easter season and allows us to reflect on the sacrifice of Christ. Finally, I want to share Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. As we contemplate the prophetic words of Isaiah regarding the mission of the Messiah, and we can reflect on how Jesus fulfilled these prophecies in his earthly ministry. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn 
and to provide for all those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So, dear friends, remember, even though Isaiah is an Old Testament book, it points to and speaks to the coming Messiah, the prophetic elements of the gospel, and the hope that we have in him. We are bestowed beauty instead of ashes, oil instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Friend, I don't know where you are this season. If you're in a season of despair, I pray that you will continue to look forward this Lenten season to Resurrection Sunday, to the hope that we have in Christ, and it can transform your life. Friend, I leave you today with a quote by Tim Keller, who stated, It is our prayer that as you journey with us from Ash Wednesday to Easter, you will be reminded of the reality of our broken humanity, but as days grow brighter, you would experience with greater abundance the reality of God's redeeming grace. And so just as we carefully prepare for a big events in our personal lives, such as a wedding or a commencement, Lent invites us to make our hearts ready for remembering Jesus's death and resurrection. Friend, I'm so glad you could join me today. We will continue in this series until Easter. Next week, we'll jump in on Matthew devotions for Lent. In subsequent weeks, we will then venture into Mark, Luke, and John before we have our Passion slash Holy Week episode. Friend, I know this might not be your tradition. Perhaps you might think of this more of a 40-day spiritual preparation for Easter. Either way, we invite you to continue on this journey with us as we contemplate the grace that we receive in Christ, the hope that that gives us, and our ability to share that with the world around us. I thank you so much for joining me today, and I'll see you on our next episode of Lose Yourself. This has been Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself is a teaching ministry of Bible teacher, Dr. Mike Cunningham. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a production of Key Radio.